Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we bid you welcome to this episode of Education Unscripted. Um, Education Unscripted is your favorite podcast channel for unpacking education issues in Nigeria and Africa. This podcast is brought to you by the National Innovation Collaborative for Education, which is a community of education innovators working to foster learning and collaboration in Africa. My name is Lyo, and today we will be exploring virtual reality as a learning tool with Dr. Eugene Ohu. Now, Eugene is a senior lecturer and the head of the Department of Organizational Behavior and Human Resource Management at the Lagos Business School. He specializes in management and communication, uh, human behavior in organization, digital marketing, and predictive human resource analytics. That's, that sounds very interesting. I can't wait to get into that. Dr. Ohu runs a human computer interaction lab at the Lagos Business School, and his current research interests are on the psychology of human computer interactions in the workplace in order to promote individual well being and organizational productivity. Interestingly, he was recently awarded a grant of $234,000 from the Templeton World Charity Foundation to conduct a two year virtual research virtual reality research, pardon me, on teaching children empathy and compassion through virtual reality games. Dr. Ohu, we bid you welcome to the Education Unscripted podcast. Thank you very much, Laya, for the invitation. Okay, so let's get right into it. One fascinating thing that we found out is that you are fluent in two major foreign languages. That's Italian and Spanish. You are a senior lecturer. You are you have mentored hundreds of of students, including a colleague of mine, and you consult for numerous national and international organizations across the world. That that seems like a fascinating career. So can you give us a brief background on your journey and how you have evolved into the person that you are today, a master in your field? Huh, I didn't know about master anyway. <laughs> That's a, a, an interesting journey and some might even think a very confusing journey because I started from pharmacy. I studied pharmacy. Um, yeah, but after the internship, I have not practiced until now, even though I'm still a registered pharmacist, I renew my registration, so I'm interested in that. But I'm also interested in many things. I mean, while studying pharmacy, I became interested in computers. So I started programming while in pharmacy, and I almost changed to computer science. But I've also been interested in journalism, and there is my communications background, so I have been writing for a while. So what has been feeding me, so to speak, has been computers. Uh, while I continued writing, but I have done hardware, software. Uh, so if you, in that sense, I am interested in many things that you might ask, why did I study pharmacy? And then we can have conversations about uh, career choices there. But anyway, um, but I've, I've also been very interested in computers. And eventually all these interests came home. So that it took a while to realize that it wasn't confusion because my current interest in human computer interaction is because of the my interest in computers and then my interest in people that second part is the explanation for my love for languages because i'm interested in people i'm interested in cultures 
I, I like languages because I think they open you up to people and they open people up to you as well in the sense that I mean there are nuances, meanings hidden behind things that people say or do but language is a window into 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 cultures so so that's what fascinates me about languages but of course there have been circumstances in my life that made it easy to learn as well apart from my interest i mean um, work reasons made me travel to spain and many spanish-speaking countries so that i had an opportunity to immerse myself and then develop that interest further and then for Italian, well, my master's and my PhD were in Italy, so I had to learn it because my classes were in Italian. So yeah, uh, I'm still trying to learn Yoruba. I've been here for many years. So apart from the <laughs> the ones you hear in the bus, well, I have qualified to teach me a few, so hopefully I will learn that one day. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of my story and then the Lagos Business School, I would say, became home for me because in the organizational behavior department, I found therefore a, a confluence of this interest in communication, interest in technology, and then in people. So yeah, so that's how I got here. So I'm happy so far, but like I, since I have many interests, I don't know where what the future holds for me. <laughs> We're certain it's going to be something great. You know, I, I, I would, I'm, a part of me is so tickled to go down the conversation of how did you do a PhD in Italian? However. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but anyway, I don't know. I was pursuing a particular supervisor and that's where I found him. <laughs> wow, that kind of tenacity is something rare. And I... Okay, Moving on, though, thank you very much for sharing that with us, um, Eugene. Uh, I see that you are a very strong advocate of um, technology, of people, of improving workplace productivity. And um, what we've come to know is also that you also have an interest in using technology to drive education in Nigeria. And there's all this conversation about the big data. So how do you see Nigeria harnessing this big data to provide insights for development across the country? Well, um, yes, I'm, I'm very interested in, in big data and it's one of the research interest areas I've been pursuing. Um, I, I think big data, much as the name sounds like a fad, is also not a new thing because what computers have done is to make data gathering and analysis more efficient so we can gather data faster and we can analyze faster um, regarding nigeria i would say that there are opportunities here i would like to be optimistic and say that there are opportunities while recognizing some challenges okay so one challenge that i see for example i mean in using data for governance you see how we have many um diverse data databases that have nothing to do with each other driver's license um, national id project and, and all that so we need to harmonize those reason because one of the things that big data allow us to do is to get insights okay but then you need a, a, a stable database you need a general database to in order to analyze it 
And then secondly, I think something else that is lacking not only in government but also in other spaces is to gather gather data today. Gather data, data today because if we want to get insights tomorrow, we need historical data. So one suggestion would therefore be that before we even look at the advantages of big data, take opportunities, I mean, use all the digital devices we have to start gathering the data now. Um, another challenge I see, another challenge I see in getting insights from data, I'm not talking, I'm not speaking yet about the expertise required for, for big data analysis, because in my opinion, that comes much later. Uh, another challenge I see, I think, is uh, critical thinking. Because in order to make sense of big data, because it's garbage in, garbage out, really, critical thinking let us formulate our problems well. So we need a good problem definition. Because even when you have a computer scientist, a data analyst helping you crunch data to make decision trees and things like that, if you don't ask the right questions, you won't get useful answers. So critical thinking in our schools, I think is essential. And then after all these, therefore, assuming we have done all these, that we have collected data, we have a database, assuming that we have people who can ask good questions, and then assuming that we have domain experts, for example, experts in history, experts in literature, experts in medicine, experts in engineering, then we can put together in each organization a complementary team of experts and then we're now bringing a data analyst and then we can begin to make sense of big data. So uh, why have I put it this way? Because um, it, I would rather like to see it as an opportunity because technology democratizes the space. We have the computers and then if we put in place all of these, then Nigeria can harness big data as much as any country in the first world. So I, I think the opportunities. Oh, those are a lot of assumptions. Right. <laughs> Definitely, because I feel that um, one way that we can, you know, get ahead on development is, you know, harnessing all of these data, putting everything together correlating our driver's license to our LASHRA and a lot of all these other, you know, databases that we have just floating here and there. And it would definitely be something, you know, worth seeing if that kind of, um, you know, um, interaction can come about. What do you think? Yeah, no, 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 I agree with you. We need to harmonize all the databases we have. We need to harmonize. And then also, of course, in schools, we need to take a look again at the curriculum. I'm not saying that everybody should become a computer scientist. No, we should take a look at the curriculum and see and, and realize that digital is going to drive everything henceforth. So even while people are studying other, other knowledge areas, for example, I mentioned earlier critical thinking, we need domain experts in different areas, but then there should be a dose of digital awareness to make everybody a native in that sense. So harmonize the databases, but also take a look at the curriculum and if necessary, restructure it to prepare the workers of the future for a digital world. 
bringing us to the digital conversation actually eugene um so recently there's been a lot of discussions around the new normal everybody's talking about the new normal and uh okay so if we're related to the entertainment sector somebody once said that this is a netflix moment in the education sector which essentially means that you know the way netflix came and disrupted the cinematic world and space causing a shift to online viewing that is very similar to the way COVID-19 has caused a major shift to online viewing and other non-traditional methods of, of learning and education. Now, do you think that our current realities in Nigeria, in the education technology space, can sustainably support this new normal? Uh, the short answer to your question is yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Then the, the background. Uh, I would not say that COVID-19 caused a disruption because the changes were there already. Simply, simply that we did not want to listen. And some of us were getting comfortable saying that we are digital migrants, that we are not natives. But COVID-19 forced everybody to become a digital native. So it's I would see COVID-19 as an opportunity and a reminder of things I would have done already. For example, I'm talking about learning. Many institutions, for example, at the Lagos Business School, I mean, we have been teaching online years before COVID. We have one variant of our MBA, modular MBA, runs partly online. So blended learning has been there. Many universities all over the world have been doing this as well. So, uh, why do I say yes, that I think that our current realities can sustain it? We have them, I mean, unfortunately, some people have suffered during this period, but by and large, I think we have felt well, so to speak. Um, the mobile network operators, apart from uh, making good money, but I think that they have responded well as well. Because, I mean, one would have thought that the internet internet infrastructure in Nigeria would collapse because everybody was online. It didn't. Yeah. I mean, there were challenges. They had to step up. Uh, so uh, at the end, I would say that the opportunities brought about by COVID-19 make us realize that the things that we thought were not possible before, mm. are not, that there are many things that we don't need to do face-to-face blended learning to be cheaper for all, to be for everybody. So, I mean, there will be adjustments here and there in education, in the workplace, uh, yes. but about educational technology. I, I think we, if we support it by and large, I know some institutions are struggling with learning management systems, for example, but then you have okay. for businesses too. I mean, there are open source ones that some people are exploring, like Moodle. Those who can pick are paying for the Blackboard. Google Classroom is free for those who have the Google Suite education package. So, I mean, technology companies are also making it possible. So if anybody doesn't take advantage of the educational technology available, it's because they don't, they, uh, they don't have the will. But if you don't have demanding clientele will force you to have the will. So <laughs> I, I, I think yes, I think yes, we will survive this. You know, I, I very much enjoy 
the optimistic way in which you, you know, you view Nigeria and the education sector and education technology. I feel like everybody should buy into this and this way we can all work to making this new normal blended learning a reality, a full reality in Nigeria. And which leads me to my very next question. I feel like I should say congratulations, Dr. Uhu. Congratulations on the recent award of the $234,000 grant from Templeton World Charity Foundation for your research work. And uh, the research work is named um, Teaching Children Empathy and Compassion Through Virtual Reality Games. I was very fascinated when I saw this because this is a new way of going about the um, let children learn empathy, let children learn compassion conversation. And I really want to know what the idea is that brought on the virtual reality project. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, uh, I would say that, uh, well, first of all, thank you. And then we're very fortunate to get this uh, grant because mm-hmm. it's helping me pursue a dream I've had for a long time. Um, a, I would say that the, the journey to virtual reality was a natural progression from my interest in computers because I mean, one of the things that fascinates me about computers is the way it can make things faster. The computer is engaging, the computer is interactive. So everything you yes. like about the computer, you find in virtual reality or here. It is massive, engaging, it is interactive. So um, before this grant from Templeton World Charity Foundation, I've, I've run a lab, I've been running a VRO lab at the Lagos Business School where uh, I have been exploring the, if you like, human-computer interaction, how human beings are affected by interactions in the virtual world. For example, Facebook a virtual world? Yes. Is Instagram a virtual world? Yes. So I have long been interested in how people are affected. For example, the decisions that they make, your online purchase decision, how much are these are influenced by the Instagram posts you see, by the people you follow, by the posts Mm. on your blog, and things like this. So as a result of that, therefore, discovering virtual reality and realizing that there is another world, there is another medium that is more immersive than social media, that is more immersive than computers, that if these other ones can influence you, how might this other one influence you as well? And then we decided to, I decided to take advantage of one feature of virtual reality, that in VR, you get into that world, either through, through avatars or digital persons, you can become, quote, another person, or you can have a digital version of you, or you can, you can take the place of a digital version of another. In other words, VR allows perspective taking, to take the perspective of another person. So you can become somebody else online you can become somebody else online but in virtual reality now you have an avatar for example if i have an avatar representing liar mm-hmm. i can become liar in vr so the purpose yeah so the purpose of the study we're proposing that we propose to do that we're doing right now was 
you see in nigeria we live in a sense uh, i don't want to say we live in a fractured nation but there are some people who would say that the amalgamation of what was largely islamic north and a christian south was a political expediency that ignored cultural social religious diversity and complexity but the reality is in nigeria we have more than 200 ethnic groups some we say more than 500 languages so we are we are a diverse people so the purpose of our current study is to confront people with the reality of our differences we are to have conversations about identity that there are distinct identities in this nation recognize them also recognize the stereotypes and biases that each person in this space experience put yourself in the position of that person and see whether you can see the world from that person's point of view hopefully hopefully that would make you more empathetic see things from that person's point of view ultimately be more understanding and then have more compassion for example, we have all the witnesses of uh, where well, weaknesses, even if uh, distant witnesses of what happened mm -hmm. with Chibok girls. I mean, for many people in Nigeria, the plight of the Chibok girls was as much news as it was for people living outside Nigeria. So there sometimes is a tendency of they versus us. So in, in this study, we're, we're working with 500 and 40 teenagers in secondary school between the ages of 13 and 18. Okay. And this research has two independent studies. In one study, uh, the students, the secondary school students, will engage in conversations about empathy and compassion. The, that first study is going to be a game jam, game jam where they learn to develop virtual reality games, but more than developing games themselves, either using engines like uh, Unity 3D or Unreal, more than developing the games themselves, they will have conversations about identity with one another, recognize stereotypes and biases, and then there will, there will be a game design mentor with each group of students and they will get this design mentor to design a game prototype that will mirror the conversations they had. And we're going to measure their empathy and compassion level before the intervention, after the intervention, two months after, six months after. In the second study, they will play a virtual reality game that will depict this scenario that I've tried to picture in Nigeria with different ethnic groups, different identities. And I also want to see how the, this would compare to study one, where they simply discussed identity. So that's more or less what we're doing. So in, in some way, taking advantage of perspective, taking feature of virtual reality to confront them with other identities and realities and hoping to make them more empathetic. So it's going to be a longitudinal study in the sense that we're going to measure the outcomes and see whether it persists over several months. Yeah, so that's more or less. Wow, this sounds like a complete game changer. 
because what I can hear you say is that you're going to help children to work in another person's shoes for a little while, they have to better understand them and to develop compassion and empathy. Correct, you put it well. Wow, that is definitely going to be a game changer. That it's, it's going to change the face of you know the way children learn, the way they empathize, the way they feel about one another. And I feel like, um, from what I hear, you're going to be working with over 500 children or young adults. So yes. what challenges have you been facing in implementing this project and how are you handling these challenges? Well, we are at the, it's a two-year project, which we only just, we only start, just started, we started in July. So right now we have not made any contact with, uh, with the children yet. So because oh, okay. uh, at this moment we are developing the research instruments, which means also the measures of empathy and compassion. We are designing the games. For example, uh, we have a virtual reality bootcamp going on right now. Um, okay. Training VR developers. We have uh, 20 people in the bootcamp. So, and then we are also having conceptualizing the game environment itself because um, without letting much out now, but if we're going to measure empathy and compassion, you're going to make decisions about um, how you want to model empathy, how you want to model the, the ideas, for instance. Uh, are we going to have uh, moral exemplars in the game whose lives the children will emulate? Are we going to confront them with moral dilemmas that will help them make decisions so that they come face to face with their empathy and compassion level or the lack of it? So. There's a lot of work going on right now and so so that at the theoretical level for instance we have a, a team of about eight people and at the lagos business school we have um, about a, a team of about seven then we have a professor at maris college the professor karen schreier who is a co-investigator on this as well and then at the vr in the vro space we have Judy Tokonkwa, who runs uh, Emisi 3D uh, VRO Hub at Yaba. She's a co-investigator in this project as well. And then we have mm. the going on. So there's a lot of preparation that will take about six months before we make even the first contact with the, with the children. Yeah. So what challenges are we facing right now? Everything is being done remotely. Everything is being done remotely. The boot camp is being done remotely and vr capable laptops are powerful machines so some of the participants have that challenge some have had to eh? they have had to surmount it in in various ways um i don't there's no well of, of course apart from the hard work involved in thinking <laughs> <laughs> hard work involved in thinking sleeping very little i think it's not going well so far i think it's going well so far I hope it stays that way and gets even better. I definitely hope so. Um, so, Dr. Ovo, can you tell us, apart from empathy, apart from compassion, um, we know that you've been running the VR lab for the Human Computer Interaction Lab for a while now. So, apart from empathy and compassion, what other skills is it possible for young individuals to learn apart from empathy and compassion? 
Um, I, I would say that um, virtual reality is effective for learning and mm. also for character development. So I would say that apart from empathy and compassion, there are other character traits that I see being learned or that can be learned with virtual reality. Character traits such as integrity, for instance, if you confront them with moral exemplars or they make decisions, you might be able to use that to teach integrity. Um, assertiveness as well. I, I see VRO having a place to teach assertiveness because um, you can teach people in a non-threatening environment. And then also another thing is helping people to develop a growth mindset compared to a fixed mindset because uh, virtual reality as a technology and the experiences that you can create there um, opens people up. I mean, increases openness to new new experiences. And I'm also hoping that if taking compassion and empathy as examples of character traits, if we can grow this and improve this in people, then there is room for developing other good habits or virtues or other skills. And then virtual reality has room for to, to be applied to learning, I mean, learning all sorts of things, even languages as we were discussing earlier. I see oh. application of virtual reality in, in laboratory experiments. Okay, so rather than the wet lab, that sometimes we don't have reagents in the lab, we can have just headsets and then people are doing chemistry practicals without exhausting the reagents. People are doing physics experiments without... <laughs> so, VRO, therefore, I would say it makes dangerous things safe. You can try experiments. What's the worst thing that can happen? You take off the headset. Yes, you take uh, it off. <laughs> it can expensive things cheap. You don't need to buy reagents. You just have one lab for the experiments. All you need to change is to load another software. So it's fantastic. It's fantastic. There are many things we can do with it. Yeah. It seems like a, a great learning tool through and through because it, it, it's then a lot easier for children to, you know, do dangerous things like you have said, and it would it would put it would even make learning fun for for, for children. Because I know a lot of children are tired of mixing all things with in beakers and in science labs with board teachers. So I see VR as a way to spice up education, so to speak. Yeah, I think so. I have great hope for it, really. Excellent. So, sir, as we round up this conversation, which has been really interesting, by the way, I am hoping to get an invitation to the... Uh, human computer interaction lab to see things with my own eyes. However, <laughs> I would, what I would finally like to know is how you would advise educators, you know, education stakeholders, teachers, and you know, basically everyone in the education sphere on how to incorporate the idea of VR into, you know, the school curriculum. How can we bring this home? in a way that will allow a vast majority of the children in the country to learn better with this tool. Um, first of all, with reference to our 
current projects, teaching children empathy and compassion through virtual reality games. Um, what one of the goals of the project actually is that at the end of it, teachers at the schools where we conduct the study, where we encounter these 540 students, will be trained on the new VRO teaching models because we, eh, in order that they can incorporate it into the civics and social studies curriculum of their schools. Okay, so that's one goal arising from this. Uh, to make that possible as well, even though we are spending, we're spending thousands of dollars developing the VRO, VRO experiences, we will make the application free. We will make the application free for schools. Um, then there will be very cheap ways. There will be very cheap ways of giving children the experiences because you, you don't need expensive uh, headsets like the um, Vajo or the Oculus Rift or HTC Vive. Uh, cardboards, I mean, like the typical cardboard that costs about uh, 2,500 Naira. And then you have people already doing, I mean, there's a, the, one of the participants at our bootcamp is a secondary school teacher in Lagos and he's building he's building himself you can call it rough but he's building cardboards for Google for sorry not sorry not to say Google cardboard Google is not the only one doing it <laughs> okay VRO devices that can take a telephone to give children VRO experiences so advice for teachers educators one is to have open have an open mindset and then to explore how to bring cheap, cheap VR devices to the classroom. For example, the cardboard, and then with a good phone, and then there are applications that can that can give children that experience. The VR experience. Yeah. So I think I think I think it's uh, it's it's there. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. And of course, when we are done with our project, hopefully in the next two years, and then we'll make everything available. But in any case, in any case, our lab is open. Our lab is open. So, I mean, through, uh, you can share my, my contact and we can organize visits for schools to give children experiences here as well at the Lagos Business School. Oh, so you're saying that this is an open invitation to anyone who would like to come into the lab and get a feel of the VR experience. Correct. Just let us know and we'll arrange to receive you. This is an open invitation. <laughs> wow. I am sure that everyone listening will be very, very intrigued. And we'll definitely be taking you up on that offer. Thank you very much, Dr. Ohu. You're welcome. Thank you. I the invitation. Yes. So it has been a lovely time with Dr. Eugene Ohu on Education Unscripted today and we have now come to the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, please do well to send us your feedback by sending an email to nice at tepcenter.com or you can connect with us on Twitter at nice underscore innovate. That is at nice underscore innovate. You can also leave us a message on our Google podcast channel or Anchor podcast channel, any of your favorite podcast platform. Uh, thank you for being here with us today and um, please stay safe and keep learning. Bye everyone.